Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here today. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Well, we're, uh, we're going to be talking today from the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. We've been in uh, since last September. We started in the Gospel of Luke, and then we moved forward from there after we went 10 chapters in the Gospel of Luke. We went from there to the book of Acts because it's written by the same author, just so you know. And uh, we, we spent this time in the book of Acts, and now we're on the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. And what we're going to talk about today is that the story goes on. We're going to see how this never-ending story of the thread of the kingdom of God that we're going to talk about leaves us with hope and with purpose in this life. Well, let's pray and ask for the Holy Spirit's help for us to leave this place with a greater sense of hope and a greater sense of purpose. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Father, we thank you that you are for us and not against us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And, God, we ask you to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope to which you have called us, and to know the glorious inheritance that is already ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen and amen. Well, I'm going to read larger portions of Scripture because the Scripture tells the story. And so just bear with me when we do that today. And it, most of it will come up on the screen for you to follow along. But as I said, we're in Acts chapter 28. When, now, background to this, Paul has been taken prisoner by the Romans because of accusations that have come against him, uh, namely from his own people, about bringing this new sect or this cult, as they thought it was, called Christianity. And um, so he's on the journey to go to Rome because he's going to stand trial before Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal to Caesar, and that's what he's done. Acts 28 starting at verse 17. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against our customs or our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over the Romans. They exam examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charges against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with these chains. They replied, replied We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of your people or our people have come here to report it or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear your views about, uh, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet with Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. 
Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Okay, so Paul starts off, and this is incredible, from morning till evening. Imagine if you come to church, and from morning to evening, he is preaching about the kingdom of God. But he's really preaching about how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of what the Jewish people have been waiting for. You see, Jews had a form of a future hope. In general, they expected God to intervene in history and to restore Israel to a state of peace, freedom, and prosperity. So in the Old Testament, they were awaiting, as Jewish people, they were awaiting the Messianic age or the coming of the Messiah. And that's all throughout the Old Testament. You can hear that story. The Jewish people are longing for the coming of the king and the coming of God. And they believe that when God come, he, that he would set them free from all oppression. He would set them free from every worldly problem, that they would live in peace and harmony and joy with God. And this was the belief of the Old Testament, which is part of what is prophesied in the Old Testament. But they didn't understand the fullness. You see... The Jewish people thought that God was going to come to them and come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he actually came first as a suffering servant. They didn't get that part. And so they missed, in many ways, they missed the first coming of God because they were anticipating this, this coming of God that would reign and rule in the world. And they, they didn't quite understand why uh, this, this sect of people, the Jewish people, were turning to this man named Jesus because they didn't see the fullness of the kingdom of God manifesting through Christ. And so they were like, well, we are waiting for God to come and defeat the Romans and, and rule everything. But what they didn't get was that God actually came, first of all, to defeat our own hearts. He came that we might submit our lives to him and the change that God was going to bring first and foremost was an internal change that transformed us from without. You understand? And so they were, they were wrestling with this and they couldn't get it. So Paul begins to walk through the entire Old Testament, the, 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 you know, the teachings of the first five books of the Old Testament, the, the, prover, the prophets, uh, he goes through Psalms, he goes through it all, and he's showing them how Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. Now, we don't know what that sermon was about, but we can guess. We can guess what that sermon was about because we know all throughout the Old Testament, there are so many, they're called typologies or pictures of Jesus. And so Paul is likely unfolding that as he's talking. So maybe he talked about Adam and Eve and showing how Jesus was the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. Maybe he talked about, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into the Garden of Eden, they were cast out and, and God said, by your seed, one day you shall be restored to me. And he didn't talk about seeds, plural, like many people, he talked about by the seed. And so, you know, Paul might have said, well, this seed is Jesus Christ. The one seed from the line of David would come this one seed, and this is Jesus. And so he's come to redeem mankind from sin. Maybe he talked about Noah. And, you know, Noah is this book about the foretaste of the coming judgment and the salvation of God upon a wicked planet. And, and 
Noah rescued a few people from judgment and, and mankind's race kept going, but Jesus Christ's act of redemption rescued the whole world. That if you would but believe in what Jesus has done, that you will be set free from these things in your life and you will begin to see a transformation from within. And so he compares it to Noah and he shows that the salvation of Jesus brought this incredible act of deliverance for everybody who comes to the cross and asks them him to forgive their sins. Maybe he talked about Abraham and Isaac, you know, the only begotten son. So Isaac's coming, you guys. And, and, and God, tells, God, God tells Abraham, sacrifice your son Isaac to me. So Isaac is carrying the wood. Guys, this is a crazy story. He's carrying the wood on his shoulders. He doesn't know. And he actually has to build this sacrifice, sacrificial table. And God tells Abraham to sacrifice him. But then an angel of the Lord stops him right at the last minute and says, don't do it. God was testing your heart. And so do you see he ties that right back to Jesus because Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father. And guess what he was carrying on his shoulders? The wood. <laughs> he was carrying the cross. And on that cross, Jesus was sacrificed. The picture, the typology of the Old Testament is seen in this story. And he's saying Jesus, who died on the cross, you guys, is the fulfillment of the promise of God so that your sins might be forgiven and you might dwell with God. And so he's going through this story. And then maybe he, you know, through Abraham, maybe he went through Joseph. And he talked a little bit about Joseph. I was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, but he became the redemption of his brothers when they were starving in a famine. And he became this second in command only under Pharaoh. And they were, maybe he compared that to Jesus who was betrayed by us and our sins and our faults and our failures, you guys. And, and yet God raised him up and used him in order to become our deliverer. Hallelujah. Guys, there's so many things, so many ways I can go. The Old Testament temple, Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. He's the lamb that has to be sacrificed for your sin and for my sin. He's the basin and the washing place where you come and wash your hands that you might be made pure. He's the showbread. He's the lampstand. He's the, all of these pictures in the Old Testament temple. Jesus fulfills. And so Paul's going through the story, and he's going through the story, and he's telling them. We don't know what he said next, but I have to believe he took them to the book of Isaiah. Because in the book of Isaiah, this is where they miss, remember I told you they missed the suffering servant? He lays it out clearly that when the Messiah comes, he's going to come as a suffering servant. Listen to the picture of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and each of us have turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wow. So he's telling them, you guys, this is prophesied. This is predicted. It predicted thousand years ago, thousand plus years ago, that the, the Messiah would come and he would suffer. He would be a suffering servant to pay for the sins of mankind. Wow, what a sermon to listen to that would have been. It would have been long. 
But man, if you took notes, you would have a, an incredible Bible commentary. But listen to what they did. I'm not going to put this on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth about your ancestors that he said through the Isaiah the prophet. Go to this people and say, you will ever hearing but never understanding. You're ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. Aren't you glad, you Gentiles, that the salvation of God has come to you? Christianity today is the largest religion in the world, 2.2 billion adherents around the world in various degrees, you understand? 2.2 billion people would call themselves Christians. That's kind of an incredible thing. It starts from this one man named Jesus. We see this. So Jesus, guys, is the fulfillment of the promise that the Jews were looking for and you and I have experienced the blessing of that life. But here's the second thing that Paul talks about. Rediscovering the kingdom of God in the story of Jesus. See, way back when we started the book of Luke, we started talking about the kingdom of God, in particular, kingdom of God and particularly Acts chapter 1. Look what he says in Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you of all about Jesus and what he began to teach and do until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he was presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared among them over the 40 days that he was resurrected and spoke about the kingdom of God. And here we are at the end of the book of Acts. Acts 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed with them in his own rented house and welcomed all who come to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught all about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. With all boldness and without hindrance. So Jesus is not only the fulfillment, the salvation promised to the Old Testament Jewish people, promised Jesus, Paul is laying this out, but he's also showing them the thread of how Jesus is the fulfillment of the coming kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is really what you need to understand, which is so incredible. And I'm going to just bring up this picture of what the kingdom of God, and this is all throughout the Old Testament. You can see the promise of the kingdom brings these things when it comes. So at the center of it is the presence and the power of God. Flowing from that is deliverance and salvation. Then comes peace. You know, that wholeness, that shalom promised by God. Then justice and righteousness, right standing with God. Then joy and healing and the community of the king, the church, the family of God. Why we're called the Father's house, you guys, is the Father sowed his one and only Son in order to gain an entire family. Amen? God sowed his Son in order to gain you and I into his kingdom. 
What an incredible thing. You see, that's the message of the gospel. The gospel is not just about the salvation of sin, you guys. That's just part of the gospel. The gospel is, behold, the kingdom of God is open. Tell everybody, tell everybody, you can come and you can have a relationship with God and God would be with you and God is with you. He begins to bring the fullness of the kingdom of God to bear upon your life and upon my life, which is amazing. You see, the central revelation of the New Testament, you guys, the thing Christ came to reveal more than anything else was the Father heart of God. God is called a Father some 170 times in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was less than 10. And some of those are just inferred. They're not even mentioned. It's not clear. But Jesus' favorite name for God was Father. Why? Because God was revealing that He was a Father wanting to adopt mankind and bring them into His kingdom. It's why we're called the Father's house. It's why we welcome people home. The story is, amen, the doors open, the water's warm. Come on in, hallelujah. That's the story. Praise God. Well, what does the kingdom of God bring? What hope does it bring to your life and to my life? We shared you the picture, and you can go through that, studying the gospels and look at that. And I talked about the central uh, revelation being the Father heart of God. But guys, the central proclamation and demonstration of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. You can go through all the Gospels and see Jesus fulfill that whole wheel, everything, every part of that wheel, Jesus forgave, Jesus healed, Jesus brought joy, Jesus brought peace, Jesus brought healing, amen, Jesus built a community, all of these things. Well, let's look at a few of those just a little deeper. What hope did the kingdom of God bring? Number one, it was the reality of God coming to dwell with his people. Jeremiah 31, and you can read this in multiple places in, this, in the Old Testament scriptures. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and sins I will remember no more. Wow. <sighs> That God, when he is with us, you see, the two will become interconnected. Wherever Jesus is, he brings the king. Guys, the king and the kingdom are connected. Wherever the king is allowed to rule, more of the kingdom is allowed to manifest. Amen? And so when God begins to rule your heart, more and more of God's nature and the life of the kingdom of God will be expressed in you. This is what the promise is. Hallelujah. And the promised salvation that God wants to bring. First of all, it's a hope of deliverance from sin and condemnation. How many of you know that's good news? I mean, just listen to this. It's crazy. Uh, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And in, his, in their spirit is no deceit. Do you guys understand that the Jewish people had to go every year and offer sacrifices for their sins? That's what they had to do. They could never be cleansed of their sins. And yet the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that who by one sacrifice has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
Guys, when God sees you, he sees you through the sacrifice of Jesus. When you stop trying to do it on your own, when you stop trying to fight, when you stop trying to say, I can get there on my own, God will meet you and he will look at you. And when God sees you and heaven sees you, they see, it sees Christ. That's your only hope. <laughs> it sees Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. Why? You are now in Christ and Christ is in you. Amen and hallelujah. So the Father looks at you and you are looking very perfect today. Hallelujah. I didn't comb my hair. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. You are in Christ. I'm telling you, the way heaven sees you guys, amen, is very different than the way you see yourself. I told you the story that when I first got saved, I was in a church service like this, my sister-in-law's baptism, hallelujah, and all of a sudden, there's a guy who speaks this word of prophecy, and I'm like, what is going on? This church is freakish. It's like a cult, like, get out of here, sister-in-law, and, I, you know, I, 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 and then all of a sudden, I looked around and saw 700 people, and they were as white as white can be like lightning and I knew I was the blackest of black dots in the middle of this sea and I literally said this to myself I didn't even know what the word meant but you know I've told you this before 50 times I said these are the holiest people on earth how haven't I seen them walking around God unveiled my eyes and showed me the kingdom of God manifesting in every one of them. I pastored those people later. They weren't as white and pure as they came out the first time. Okay? I'm just letting you know. You're still being made holy even though you've been made perfect. So we see this deliverance from sin and condemnation. Hallelujah. Christ offered this sacrifice once for all. Here's the next thing. It was the hope of deliverance from the effect of sin and Satan. Isn't that good news, you guys? When Jesus showed up first preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, he preached from Isaiah 61. I'm going to read to you the portion because you've got to hear this because it applies to all of you. Jesus unveils this, or unrolls the scripture, the, the scroll, and he looks, they're looking at him. The Bible says everyone's eyes were fastened on him, and he preaches this and talks about this scripture. Here it is. The shortest sermon in the history of the Bible. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, the garment of peace, and, and instead of a spirit of despair, right, the crown and the blessing of the righteousness of God. They will be called the oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And now these ones will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Jesus reads that scripture, rolls up the scroll, 
passes it back to the attendant. And this is the shortest sermon in the history of the Bible. Today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. I'm just going to go sit down now. My work is done. (laughs) Can you imagine? They knew what that meant. He was saying the Messiah has come, the kingdom has come. It's time. Now, guys, that's good news for you and me. It's good news because, hallelujah, you know, I'm that one that needs, you know, to find that peace in my life. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the prisoner that needs to be set free. I'm the blind that needs to see. I'm the lame that needs to walk. Amen? The joy of the Lord now is my strength, and now I come to the Lord, and I've, I've not got it all together, and yet I come to Him, and I come to Him, and God says, you are the planting of the Lord, all of you guys. You start as little seedlings. You start as little seedlings, but God is growing you into oaks of righteousness. This is the outcome of God. Guys, one of the greatest things about being the pastors of this church, Betty and I, for 19 years, is that we have seen families transformed. We have seen people led to Christ, and now their families have been changed by them. Do you follow that? Like, it's such a privilege, you guys, that Betty and I and all of you that have been here with us for a long, you get to see this incredible transformation of people whose lives are being changed. Now, how many of you know it's going to take a lifetime? Amen? So that's why you have to get along with each other and love each other. And you might as well start right now because in eternity, it's not an option. Amen? I'm just going to go to a different section. God is going to build your house right next to that person that you're thinking you're going to go, just, get, just understand it. Just deal with it now. Hallelujah? Okay. It's the hope of deliverance from death and the fear of death. Death's a big subject. Death itself will be overcome. This is the reality of the kingdom all throughout the Old Testament. This is promised. Listen to Isaiah 25. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe the tears from the faces. He will remove people's disgrace from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. The fear of death. Hallelujah. You guys, the fear of death, this loss of life. So many people live in fear to death. You know, we've seen it in our world today. We've given up so many rights out of the fear of death. Well, you're a believer now. You're a Christian. (laughs) You don't have to fear that because Christ one day, even if you die, you go to be with the Lord. And one day he's going to return and unite us all back together. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Pastor Greg, great message, but I still struggle with sin. Yep. Still battle the devil and the power of temptation in this world. Still go to funerals, bury loved ones. Death seems still hard, but I'm going to tell you, the kingdom of God is an already but not yet kingdom. The fullness of the kingdom is available for us, 
but understand it's not yet fully realized. That one day Jesus is coming back, you guys, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is going to fully establish the kingdom of God, and those that know him are going to enter into their eternal rest. And everyone who chose to not follow him and not be with him will enter into a place separated from God. None of us want to go there, do we? We have a greater hope in Christ. Well, that's what God is promising. All are listening to him. The kingdom of God is fulfilled in Christ. Come, the kingdom door is open. It's open. It's open. All who would but believe will find hope. But here's the last part of the book of Acts. It's the story with no amen. Listen to what it says. Very last verses. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And with all boldness and without hindrance, every other book in the New Testament but two books say, Amen. Not the book of Acts. (laughs) It's the book with no amen. Well, what does the word amen mean? Well, the word amen simply means so be it. So be it. I'm going to tell you, just give you a definition. The basic meaning in the Jewish root word uh, is derived from the word firm or fixed or sure. It's related to the Hebrew verb. It also means to be reliable, to be trusted. The Greek Old Testament usually translate amen as so be it. In the English Bible, we frequently see it saying verily or truly. The word amen is 76 times in the Old Testament and 126 times in the New Testament, making a total of 202 times in the Bible the word amen is spoken. So firm, fixed, for sure, let it be. But the book of Acts does not have the word amen. Scholars agree on the fact that this means the story is not over yet. That means the kingdom of God is still being written. The story is being written about your life and my life. You see, because there is no amen, this is the first thought, because there's no amen, your story is not over yet. Isn't that good? You don't know the challenges I'm facing right now, Pastor Greg. You don't know the stuff that I've done in my past, Pastor Greg. You don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no amen at the book of Acts. And so your story is not over yet. The story is still being written. It's being understood. Hallelujah. You may think, well, I'm going through a hard time, but your story's not over yet. You may be thinking, well, I have a good life. Everything's going great. Great. More blessing, more peace, more joy, more of God, more of the good stuff, but your story's not over yet. I'm so thankful for the truth that my story is not over yet. When I first became a Christian, I was 20 years old, just before my 21st birthday, and uh, I was a sinner. I'm not going to say any more about that, but other than that, I became a Christian, but I did not have it all together yet. 
I, I just didn't, you guys. I still smoked in the house of the Lord. Not in the house, but when I go outside. You understand? I had all kinds of issues. And you're thinking, smoking is your worst thing you do? No, I'm not listing anything else. I'm just telling you, it was not good. Okay? But the story wasn't over yet. Hallelujah. I kept blowing up and messing it up, but God just would say, the story's not over yet. My first big relationship as a Christian, I ended up uh, I was, uh, dating a girl, and we ended up, uh, she became my fiance, but we broke up. And I thought I'd blown the will of God for my life. Where do I go from here? But thank God my story was not over yet, Betty. You merciful queen of love. Hallelujah. You rescued me. <laughs> so good. Hallelujah. And guys, listen. When I got diagnosed with a, with a life-threatening disease 12 years ago, 12 years, my story's not over yet. Okay? Hallelujah. I'm still here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ by the mercy of God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful in the Bible for butts, big butts, okay? Now hang in there. You're like, oh my gosh, did he say that out loud? Yes, I meant it. I said it out loud. There's so many great big butt stories in the, in, the story, in the Bible. You're like, I haven't read one. Well, let me give you one right now. Here we go. Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon replies, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. Oh, Peter, Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you even know me. <laughs> Aren't you glad for a but? Amen? That the story's not over yet, that Jesus was praying for him and Jesus was making a difference. Hallelujah. You see, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Church, I'm here to tell you your story's not over yet. Amen? Your story's not over yet because God is still writing your story and he's recording all of those things you know, because there's no amen, here's the second thought. The end of your story is not the end of your story. It's just not. My wife and I have done hundreds of funerals in the 30-plus years of ministry that we've been in. Hundreds. And I'm going to tell you that the funeral of those who know the Lord, no matter how tragic they got there, the funeral of those who know the Lord is so different from those who do not know the Lord. And the hope in those funerals, I, I'm one of the strangest people in the world because I tell my wife this all the time, I love funerals. I love the privilege of being there and hearing the story of people's lives that you don't get to hear all the time, you know what I mean? all the pictures you see and, and they tell you the stories and well she did this and he did that you're like really I never knew that I never knew that about them and, and, and to be part of that story and to watch it and even though their, their story seems to be over 
their story's not over yet. It's not the end of the story. Amen? That even when we pass away, it's not the end of the story. You see, the Bible tells us there are all kinds of, in the Bible, recording angels. And they're recording our story. They're recording our story, you guys. They're recording all the things that we do for the Lord. What an incredible thing. And you're like, well, are they recording the bad stuff? No, if you repent of the bad stuff, it's gone. It's under the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? That that should make you go, God, tell me every sin in my life because I want to repent of it right now. When we do that, God erases that. As far as the east as from the west, so far the Lord has cast our sin from us. Wow. And when we get to heaven, even if there is stuff left, the Bible says we're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ and all the chaff and just stuff we did that wasn't good is going to be burned up and all that's going to be left is the good stuff. Isn't that good? And I don't know about you, but I don't want my life at in heaven to be like a 30-second commercial. Now let's return to, here's Greg Fraser's life. Okay, it's over. No, man, I want it to be like an epic tale. The tale of Greg Fraser and Betty who rescued him. Amen? That's what I want. I want you all to have to pop popcorn and to go and say, man, I love this story. I love the story of the fathers. That's that crazy church that moved that building across farmer's fields and then put it back together. And then in three years later, they're already talking about a building expansion. By the way, I haven't mentioned that to you yet, but yeah, we are. Because <laughs> we're growing. And God's doing great things. Isn't that amazing? It's no amen, guys. It's no amen. You're part of a bigger story. Jesus Christ has come and the kingdom of God has come. It's not over yet. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will be returning and then we'll be with him in eternity, for eternity. Hallelujah. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes and everything, everything problematic in this world will be washed away. What a day, what a story, what a blessing. Thanks for joining us today. If you want more information, please visit our website, tfhchurch.ca, and we'll see you next week.